Welcome to Backsliding to Glory, a progressive Christian podcast and community. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. Yay! Okay, first of all, can I just say thank you so much for asking, like, if I would be interested in doing this? Yeah, well, it just so happened. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it was just as, like, the Methodist thing was going down. And, you know, I was, like, watching on Twitter who my Methodist friends were. And um, and then I was like, wait, doesn't isn't he a podcast guy? I was like, I feel like talking about this with somebody, like, out loud. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he's a podcast guy. And then I clicked on your profile. I was like, yes, he's a podcast guy. <laughs> <laughs> so so that so, is the entire story so here is so i i start i can't even remember what was the incident that led me to follow you but my general rule is this if you come across my timeline two or three times and all of those times i have like agreed with or engaged with whatever you've posted, you know, that someone else has shared or liked, right? Because I've used the standard mm-hmm. Twitter app and Twitter will shove other people's likes in front of you too. Sure. Um, totally. So, but anyway, if, if you cross my line two or three times and I don't know who you are, I don't immediately follow you, but I will go to your profile. And, then, mm-hmm. and at that point, like if we have lots of common interests or if it's clear that you're like an activist in the same areas that I am activist, then mm-hmm. uh, yeah, okay, I'll follow that person until they show me otherwise, right? Because I'll unfollow them. Right, right. Totally, totally, <laughs> totally, totally. People are like, yeah, I mute. I'm like, I never mute. No. I only mute people like like the Krasensteins and stuff who just get retweeted way too much and are annoying. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who I've ever mute. I can't remember muting anyone. I know a lot of people that mute as well, uh, and and see it as even like a a a worse thing than blocking. My deal is this: yeah. if I don't care for what you're okay, so maybe you are like a progressive Christian activist or a uh, uh, you know a fairly activist Democrat in the South or something like that, and so I'm into you generally, but you also post about hockey or something like all that, like you live tweet games. Uh-huh. I'm not going to follow you probably because I don't, I'm, I'm right. not into hockey. I don't know what you're talking about. That's None fair. of that. It's yeah. not, that's noise in my timeline. Sure. I follow a very limited number of people to begin with. And, and I try to like maintain sure. that over time and there's no harm, hard feelings, right? Like it is a two way relationship. Totally you not. feel free to yeah, follow yeah. my content if you continue to find it valid. And because I don't follow you doesn't mean that I won't ever go see your profile either. But in your sure. case, sure. I don't know what the inciting incident was, but I found you <laughs> And I was like, oh, look at this. Here, She's like living a very similar life to me in, in South Louisiana or mm-hmm. Southern, more Southern mm-hmm. Louisiana anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then like it was like one thing after the other. Like you, like we have like fan bases in common too. Like so a few pop culture right. fan bases in common. And I was right, like, right, right. oh, this is such a good follow. When you find those people, it's like more simpatico and more simpatico. But once you presented me with that idea, I got so excited about it. And then I started to tell people in my like actual life about it and, mm-hmm. and they were like so who is this and, right, and right. how do you know and i was trying to think of like exactly what your credentials were to make this a good fit for us to talk about this or what my credentials were to make me a good fit for yeah, this. yeah 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 so, yeah so no i'm a total uh i'm a freelance writer but i'm, I'm kind of a hack i mostly write uh like content as we say yeah, so, we're all con- we're just all content producers in this yeah, giant all content producers 
newsfeed of life, Megan. That is mm-hmm. the that is uh-huh. that is the new status of reality. Totally, um, totally. This is the first episode of a thing that we're not precisely sure what we're going to call it yet, but what it is hopefully is a community for other folks like us. The first and foremost, my wife asked me like, what do you want to do with this? I had preacher friends that said when I was, you know, asking them what we might call it or what we should call it. Lots of them said, that's their first question. Like, what do you want to do with it? I, I'm, I'm going to speak for myself first, Megan, then you tell me what you want to do with it. I think I want to first and foremost, create a community for folks like us that are, um, left-leaning politically, but it's not even really about politics and we're not going to talk about politics except where it intersects our faith, what we are going to try to talk about and focus on and what I want to find other people that feel this way is people that are progressive in their theology and yet live in the Bible Belt, as it were. And the Bible Belt's big, right? You and I particularly live live in this portion of it in Louisiana, but there are Bible Belts, <laughs> if you want to call it that, in Ohio and in large parts of the Midwest. What we're talking about is an area where a fairly fundamentalist and, um, I would say, strict view uh, of, uh, and not just strict, but like a view that is locked in the early 20th century, right? That's what really, mm-hmm. a view on theology that's locked in the early 20th century and uh, is seen as immutable. If you live in an area where the culture is dominated by that, even if you particularly are not religious— then I call that the Bible Belt. You know, if you're and and Bible Belts have existed across space and time too, right? There are areas of Europe that mm-hmm. were Bible Belts, I think, at different times. But it's totally. where where the religion, in particular, we're talking about Christianity, has been co-opted by the government and um, uh, or the culture at large, and because of that, uh, it's been stagnated. We live on the left side of that. We live on a side of the church that is asking for more, that is pushing for change, that is um, pushing for, in my mind, a further adherence to and acceptance of the gospel. You know, we talk about mm-hmm. the good news, but we don't we don't preach very much good news, it feels it's like. It's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of bad <laughs> news. Uh, so yeah. so we, we, Megan and I, both seem to share that mindset and that place in our life. And I know that there are lots of others. I know that first and foremost because I posted on Facebook, hey, is anybody interested in this? And like within a day, I got, you know, a couple of dozen uh, mm-hmm. yeses and a couple of dozen likes and a couple of people that argued there's no such thing as progressive Christianity. Yeah, my favorite. My favorite. I have it in my Twitter bio and, and people will. I mean, that's probably the most frequent insult I get other than, you know, you're fat or ugly, which is a favorite thing to say to women on the internet. Um, there's no such thing. <laughs> also, you're fat. It's like, okay. <laughs> then what are you <laughs> calling women fat on the internet? Oh, um, you're very couth. Uh, they would say that they're uh, the last bastions of chivalry, Megan, which is yeah, uh, what I would say is one of the last examples of true irony uh, on the oh. internet. Um, so that's where I'm coming from. First and foremost, I want to build that community. I want to find other folks like me and talk to them and about them and with them and about my own struggles. And, um, you know, I, I, the way that I, well, we're going to talk later in the episode about like our own little spiritual paths, but, but yeah, I, I am in this place where I really need community. I want community. I want to share with other people, not just who agree with me, right? That's not what it's about, mm-hmm. but people mm-hmm. who 
feel like I do more than anything else. And uh, I've definitely found that in Megan, I think. And Megan and I disagree on things uh, occasionally. Uh, we we definitely are going to have a different view because of our own different backgrounds and our own different experiences, which is one of the reasons, Megan, I joked with you, I, I have a rule I can't start any more podcasts with men. Uh, but it's <laughs> but it's sort of true, right? Like I'm rule. not, I, I used to start podcasts with men and from now on it's only going to be with ladies. I, I host a mm-hmm. uh, Anne Rice vampire podcast with my friend Ashley. When you reached out, I was like, this is my opportunity. I've wanted to do something uh, about my faith in the past, but it's always been men that have been discussing it with me. And so it was, it wasn't the right moment, but, but this was the right opportunity. So that's the number one thing for me is I want to build that community. Megan, what, what do you want out of these conversations? Well, uh, a lot of things, I guess. And then at the same time, kind of nothing, um, (laughs) like everything. So a, a thing that I find difficult is, Though I know plenty of, uh, I guess we're saying progressive Christians uh, in the Bible Belt and in the South and in other places that are fundamentalist, it's um, it's weirdly hard to have a lot of conversations about it because in your circles, uh, not everybody's going to be religious, which is fine. I'm not a, a the sort of fundamentalist who thinks everybody needs to be religious. Um, so when you're when you're sort of in a leftist politics group, it tends to be sort of not always non-religious. There 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 are religious folks everywhere, but it isn't a main topic of conversation. And then when you're in religious situations, even in sort of mainline Protestant non-fundamentalist religious situations, you're still often treading on eggshells a bit. And I just sometimes want to shout. And I can't. Uh, so an opportunity in which to just talk it out a bit and know that other people are out there also needing to talk it out a bit. And I, I just want to shout might be the name of this episode, actually. I just want to shout. I think that's – so I come from a – I come from a background of shouters, right? Like my dad, I, my, my church, the church that I grew up in. Well, here, let's transition now into like our, our spiritual path a little bit. Cause that's mm-hmm. primarily this episode is about getting to know us and getting to know what this is going to be about. We're going to try to, by the way, put out one of these, uh, once a week. Um, you should be hearing this. We're hoping on March 17th is the, the launch date. And we would love if you are of like mind for you to share this podcast with others that you think might enjoy it, uh, and might gain something from it. Um, give us some feedback too. We're, we're going to tell you how to do that at the end of the episode, but uh, wherever you found this, you can probably uh, follow it back and, and click in some way to tell us what you'd like to hear as far as conversations and topic discussions, et cetera, et cetera. But let's give you the framework for where we're coming from. So I, w- I was raised in a free will Baptist church. My father uh, was the son of a pastor who literally and figuratively built that church with his actual hands and hammer, but also, you know, was the founding pastor of the church as well. Um, and my dad grew up in the church and lived in it his entire life. As far as I'm aware, he never actually moved his membership anywhere else as possible, like in his late teens or right after his first marriage he did. But um, it's my understanding that he's been there literally since the day he was born. It, I literally I joked a lot that it was the Jimmy Sharpton First Baptist Church, right? Because if he <laughs> if he left, it it does sort of fall apart in many ways. For most of my life, he's been the music minister. Uh, he would have been a deacon or an elder or or whatever the variation of leadership that they have there. Except that 
as I sort of mentioned there casually, my father's been married twice. He was married before my mother and then married after again. And he very specifically thinks that that's not okay. Um, he warred with himself actually about getting married at all. There's a, there's a story we'll get to eventually. He, he and my mother prayed over it and prayed over it, fasted over it, cast lots in the end to choose pastors to go and ask if they would marry the two of them uh, with the limit being three. They would approach three pastors and if none of those three pastors uh, chosen at random out of a hat literally would, would, if none of those three pastors would marry him, then that would be their sign from God that they weren't supposed to be married. Um, so this is the way that he feels about it. And because of that, he never sought leadership. And I, I don't think the church probably would have given it to him otherwise, but he was the music minister and, and the song leader, as he would say, uh, for all of the time that I was growing up. So we were in service Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, the whole nine yards, you know, their version of Christian theology is, uh, Again, I would say very fundamentalist. Uh, they, they, the the primary difference between free will Baptists and the Baptists that most people, especially in the South, have interacted with, is uh, the the lack of belief in the permanence of salvation. Most Southern Baptists, they'll tell you, mm. once saved, always saved. Right? Uh, the the free will Baptists believe in the particular adherence to the idea of free will, the concept of free will, so that, and they would argue with you that it's not a works-based faith, but that salvation is only completed upon dying in the faith and, and actively adhering to your faith, not straying from the path. Backsliding is a, is a big concept in free will baptism. And, uh, it was a small denomination. We, we had a very small church, and the dom- denomination is not very popular in Louisiana or even in the South, for that matter. But uh, I think we were literally one of two or three churches in all of the state when I was growing up. So we were sort of removed and, and separated from the rest of the Christian um culture in the town where I, in the small town where I grew up and yet very adherent to it. Right. So faith was central to our own lives and central to the lives of all around me. And yet I was sort of raised with this like askance view at everyone else that called themselves Christian. Right. I was very specifically told there were some denominations that were wrong, were wrong in a way that Mm -hmm. was going to send them to hell. And then the rest of them were wrong in a way that didn't really matter, but certainly it mattered enough that we couldn't go to church with them. Right. Which Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. and so for like a six year old, a seven year old trying to define the boundaries of, of the universe, that's sort of hard to parse. And so that's the stew through which, a really intelligent. I mean, I, I don't. I'm, I say that with all humility. I am. I am very intelligent. I know it, and it's been a struggle for me at times in my life because those around me don't want to. You know, they want to treat me like a, a, a child, and I was trying to think about things at a higher level, and and so there was a very. Um, I don't know. There was a real struggle between that. I remember specifically at like four and five, trying to discuss big theological ideas like. Um, you know, the, the, the place of pain, you know, the reason (laughs) for evil, et cetera, et cetera, with my father. And the only way that we, the only common language that we could use at four and five is we could talk about He-Man and Skeletor, right? And that supremely frustrated (laughs) my father. And, and yet I think about with my own children, I use every opportunity. We watch a Marvel movie and we have lengthy discussions about like, 
<laughs> the inherent problems with intervention, right? That that mm-hmm. we as people mm-hmm. who can uh, sort of see the world and think about things and their effect, we should be responsible and active in other people's lives. And yet we have to take responsibility for what those actions result mm-hmm. in. Like the Avengers mm-hmm. are a great example of that. Yes, you're supposed to save the little old lady, but when saving the little old lady, you crush the building behind them, you have to own up to that part of it too, right? Like it's all, mm-hmm. it all goes together. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. so so that was where I come from. And I remember like lying awake at night, terrified, having these like waking up in cold sweat sometimes or not being able to go to sleep until four or five in the morning, contemplating the, the, the specific concept of eternity and of being separated eternally from those that were not good enough. By the way, I never had a dream where I went to hell and everybody else went to heaven. It was always that I made it in and everybody else was not up to snuff. That was, <laughs> that was, that was the, the reckoning that I had in my mind. And my, my mother has often said, well, that is a, that is a prime lesson on who Joel is, isn't it? Um, and I think it sort of is, but, but like at the same time, like envisioning and, and being told that God is a giant cop in the sky with a billy club, mm. just waiting, just raring, just pop you in the head at the first opportunity. That was a hard God to love. And yet mm-hmm. I never in my life, never, even in like my college wanderings and, and, you know, my searchings into Eastern religions and other philosophies and my discussions with atheists, I've fallen in love with some atheists over the years. And, and yet never once have I had a moment in my life where I felt that there wasn't a God. Mm-hmm. My struggle has always been with trying to understand what that deity is, the nature of its relationship to us, and what in the hell this entire thing is for, right? Like, what is the Mm -hmm. purpose of Mm -hmm. all of this? And Mm -hmm. I was very specifically given the framework of, you know, modern uh, American Christianity through which to view all of that. But I've looked hard for other frameworks that fit more with my logic and my reasoning. That's the reason, Megan, why in the end I, I end up in Methodism. You, you mentioned I'm mm-hmm. one of your Methodist friends. I, I found Methodism about five, six years ago now, right before my daughters were born, actually. Uh, my I've got two sons that are 11 and 9 uh, from my first marriage. Look at that. I copied dear old dad. <laughs> And my second marriage has has borne these two twin girls. They're they're five now, and right before I say right before, but you know before as a matter of fact, before we found out they were twins, while we still thought there was one of them, my wife said, you know, listen, when when the new kid's here, I'm gonna want a church. Like you know, I understand your issues with the church culture around here and the reason why we haven't visited some of them, but like I don't want to just go to church on TV. I don't want to just go to church mm-hmm. on the internet. I want to community. I was raised in a community I want people I can spend time with too, you know, not just um, a sermon, mm-hmm. which you can get online. You can get the sermon online. Matter of sure. fact, most of the sermons online are probably better than what you can get in your local church, but you can't get the community online. You can't. That's that's the one thing that I really love about John Christ is when he gets to talking about these millennials doing like online worship services. I'm mm-hmm. like, yep, 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 yep. That is that is everything that is wrong with modern Christianity. You get mm-hmm. you have to do the community. You even when you don't like the community, that's I I mm-hmm. still you have to get up close with people. That is what Christianity is about. Um, mm-hmm. So I found Methodism, and the more that I learned about it, the more that I liked it. You know, the 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 triangle of Wesleyan 
study, and I mean, I don't know how much John Wesley would like me or my theology if he was here, so I'm not, <laughs> I don't lean into him as anything that we're going to make you know, special other than he was a thinker in his time that was striving for something more. He was agitated with the current version of Christianity that was presented to him, and, and he said there's a, there's a closer truth, there's a more nearer version of this that we can strive for, and he worked hard towards it. But he used the combination of Scripture, tradition, and reason, right? You put those mm-hmm. three things mm-hmm. together. The Scriptures are here for a reason. Well, they have been collected for a reason. They do have value. However, there is no way you can read them all and say that you believe in a quote-unquote literal <laughs> interpretation mm-hmm. of them since they are not all the same genre my friend like right. okay right. so but they all but they all are additive i do think they are instructive i do think they are I do think they have been collected for a reason, and I don't adhere that the only reason they've been collected and the ones that we hold to in this modern age is because of church hypocrisy or or bribery or you know political scheming. I don't. I think our God is bigger than that. I think our God works around and through flawed and terrible human beings mm-hmm. <laughs> now as he has through all of time. Um, so, and again, like if you if you. If you think that God is big enough to love, see, that's one thing that I don't like about some progressive Christians. You, you, they get mad about the scripture. If you think that God is big enough to love anyone, no matter their gender or sexuality or or whatever, and you're not adherent to the words of Paul, but then you also can't see that there's some value in the book of Job or like, mm-hmm. you know, the story of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, yes, there's something to be learned about all those stories of genocide. We should talk about it like it was genocide. <laughs> Right, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. we should wonder why did God leave us this? Right? Why? What mm-hmm. is the message in this in the modern age, et cetera, et cetera? So anyway, I think Methodism offers me that, and I think that the very structure of the denomination comes from ever striving to be better. It also comes from uh, being in community with people that you disagree with. If you look at the history of the church, you know, you know they. We they did subdivide over the question of uh, slavery in the Civil War, and yet there were congregations that sat alongside each other, though they were Union and Confederate and and slave mm-hmm. and free, and they warred with that with one another, and then united again as a denomination afterwards when they came to a better understanding of the of the Scripture. Or you would at least hope that that's how it happened. I'm tr- maybe putting a little bit of a glossy skein on it, but sure. You know the point is that. We are supposed to sit there alongside each other and have these varied opinions on the different questions in our faith. And um, Methodism has given me a place for that. So far, anyway, Megan. Um, I I worry that the current state of the denomination is going to push me out. And so one of the Mm -hmm. things that I hope to do is not replace, but again, additive. I want a new community, a different community that I can lean into in case the community that I found so much solace in over the past, you know, half decade or so, um, decides to go in a different direction. And again, I don't even fault them, right? Like that's an, I'm not really mad at the traditionalist. I I am a little mad at the way that it all went down at at the. And for those of you, there's better uh, places to get all of the details. The short details is you should look into the UMC GC19. If you if you Google those initials, you'll find all the info that you need. But over the past couple of years, there's been a a group of traditionalists that have pushed for a a change, um, a more stringent change uh, or an adherence to uh, the um, specific language around sexuality and gender in the B- book of discipline which governs the the um 
church, the United Methodist Church. And specifically, it really only governs the clergy, right? Because this is about, mm-hmm. it's about organizational structure. Individual congregations can, can do what they will, and individual members obviously can go wherever they please, and they can take their tithes mm-hmm. wherever they please. So, so this is a, about process. Um, but the traditionalists have effectively put in a poison pill, and the, the denomination will either divide or it will be forced to shrink uh, in that many of us will leave and form something else uh, mm-hmm. because of the, the desire to – and it, it, this is literally what they've done. They want to flush out those in the Methodist church that believe in a full affirming faith for all members of the human race, not just uh, those that adhere to a particular version of uh, monogamous heterosexual race relationships. Like, and that's the other thing, like, again, every time they talk about traditional marriage, I, I want to remind them of the story of Abraham. Yeah, exactly. How many wives are in this traditional marriage we're talking about? Yeah. I mean, and it's like all, so many of the patriarchs and they go, well, that was another time and place. And I say, and so is okay. today, my friend. And so is today, <laughs> my friend, right? There's, there's been, yeah. a, and that, and listen, that right up front, if you are a person who wars with the question of sexuality in the church, I hope that this is a place where you can feel welcome and not confronted. Uh, but at the same time, I, I know personally, Megan, I'm going to be over the course of you know some episodes sharing the way that I made that trek. I again, I was mm-hmm. raised in this fundamentalist religion until my listen. Here's a I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, me a couple. I'm going to confess, uh, Father, forgive me. Uh, it's been quite a while since my last <laughs> confession. Uh, I voted not once but twice for George W. Bush. <gasps> I voted for John McCain instead of President Obama for, for the first election. I voted for Obama in the second election. But this is the recency, okay, uh-huh. of uh-huh. my conservative heart. And 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 why did I vote for all those people? It wasn't because I was a, a pure Reaganite. I had a lot of social uh, left leanings all along. It was really about my faith. I thought mm-hmm. as a Christian, as someone who believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the literal incarnation of God on earth, and and and, and all that that entailed as far as I was led to believe, that that meant that I basically had to vote Republican. I basically had to mm-hmm. vote Republican. And mm-hmm. so I did, uh, willingly, excitedly. I campaigned mm-hmm. for McCain mm-hmm. in some ways, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So you're going to hear that that move for me, okay, eventually. So if you're somebody who struggles with this currently, again, hopefully this is a welcoming space. But I will say, up front, both of us are fully affirming. I mean, I don't want to speak. I'll say I am fully affirming. I believe that anyone of any gender or sexual identification uh, can come to the altar of Christ and can find salvation and solace and an entirely new way of living through the teachings of Jesus I think we often stumble because we then need to get those teachings and better understand those teachings through other Christians. And other Christians are often crummy. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> there's so much to gain here, and it is for everybody. The table is not for me. It's not for you. Um, it is for all of us, no matter where you're coming from. That's what mm-hmm. I believe. And any church that I go to <laughs> long term is going to have to believe that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's almost a, it's, well, not almost, it's a non-negotiable, um, because my understanding of God, uh, and my understanding of Jesus, and my understanding of salvation, and my understanding of uh, what the sort of Mark 25 verses and those kind of things mean, is that those who are marginalized 
are where we find God. So not only do we need to be affirming, but we actually need uh, our LGBTQ plus uh, siblings in these conversations with us. And um, because that right now is where the the fight is. Um, and Jesus got where the fight was. Yeah, yeah. I you know, there's the the great cartoon, the 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 crowd going around drawing lines and Jesus following around behind with a giant eraser. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like I mean, like that is how I see the gospel. That is, and, and if you look again across just the history of the early church, that's exactly their history. A slow more fully understanding that the the gospel is not just for me. It's not just for her. It's not just for that guy across the street. It's not just for the Samaritan. It's not just for the Roman soldier. It's not just for the Gentile all across the globe. It's, you know, it's not just for the eunuch. Mm -hmm. It is for all of us across time and space. And yes, that was a lovely analogy there. But in this time and place in human history, Jesus is in the LGBT plus community mm-hmm. you can see the holy spirit moving like mm-hmm. that is the thing for for a mm-hmm. for a person raised like me again my father you know shouts hallelujah raises his hand even in a church that doesn't like to clap my my grandmother mm-hmm. would sing continuously she'd read her bible all day long she'd get misty eyed at the thought of a song i feel the spirit that, that like listen i am a i'm not a very emotional person in a lot of my interpersonal interactions i feel a lot like a robot when i'm talking to other people but you play me a song and it doesn't have to be a hymn although lots of hymns do this mm-hmm. i can't like i the tears burst from my eyes that is nothing but the holy spirit working through us and and bringing us closer to an understanding of what that fourth dimensional being is that is so desperate to commune with us like again mm-hmm. we're going to get into the depths of our own theology we're going to talk to a lot of people about how they came to a, a pro- progressive view of Christianity, the different ways that they interact with and and interface with God. But to, you have to start there, right? Like if we're not going to be mm-hmm. kids about it, if we're not going to imagine this as He-Man versus Skeletor, <laughs> which it can't be, right? Like that that's... Tempting though it is. Right? It's not... That's not the way the universe works. Uh, but if if we're going to be bigger than that, then you have to imagine any deity that exists is inherently beyond our understanding. And yet any deity that would be worthy of worship, right? Has to be omnibenevolent. It has to be something that is inherently working for and towards our good. We might not always understand what shape that takes or the way that the universe works because it is literally beyond our understanding. So this podcast and this discussion, particularly with Megan, is for me a way to get out loud that struggle to understand better. Because if I understand it better, then it'll be easier for me tomorrow to love Megan and not just Megan, but the the jerk at the McDonald's drive through and, <laughs> and the idiot politician that is wasting all of my tax dollars on, you know, giant giveaways to the ultra wealthy. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, like the, everything in between. You know, because that's mm-hmm. what we're called. Here's that's the other thing. That's the other half of of my theology at its core. Since we can't fully understand God or or hope to, uh, at least in this lifetime, we're just all struggling towards a, a better understanding. 
and he's and he's not here, right? Not in a present way. I can't grab him. I can't hug him. I can't love him. I can't serve him. But he has very specifically left us instructions on how to do so, Megan. Mm-hmm. And you referenced mm-hmm. them earlier. What are a mm-hmm. few of them, for instance? <laughs> right. Love your neighbor. The least of these. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And everything else is just commentary. Yes. Yes, man. And they're all our neighbor, too. Like, that's the other thing, too, mm-hmm. that we have to realize in in the modern age when we are not part of villages or towns or cities even. We are a global community that is getting ever and ever closer. Our income, our livelihoods, our health care, our uh, education is going to be ever more closely entwined with each other. Our pop culture already has been, right? For 50 years, Mm -hmm. it's been standardized, at least across nations. You get the exact same TV, the exact same movies, the exact same music. Well, Mm -hmm. folks, we are all neighbors. So you got to love us. Just like Mr. Rogers said. (laughs) Yes, man. Yes. Um, And that sucks. It sucks to have to know that you have to love people who are awful. And that's that's a piece of faith that I think any progressive struggles with. For some reason, I don't think fundamentalists struggle with this because I think they feel fine about hating us. But I <laughs> I feel, you know, you have to love these people who are doing horrible things. You don't have to like them, but you have to love them um, in a biblical sense. And that is, that's hard. It is. It's very hard, particularly when you hope to change some hearts and minds, right? You have to be mm-hmm, realistic mm-hmm. about that too. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that, you know, people would ask me about this show. Like, how are you going to approach, are you, are you trying to win people over? Maybe you got to worry about that in the title. We're going to try to, to change hearts and minds over time. If you're interested in the conversation, if you're interested in why we feel the way we feel, maybe over time you might be open to some new ideas for yourself. But at the same time, I'm realistic in that most people don't want to change. Most people are not looking for new information, right? They're looking for confirmation no. somewhere. Yeah, and so exactly. you're not going to get confirmation for those ideas here. And so you you might not like it. And that's okay. I have to love you anyway. And I, and I also have to figure out how to build a better society and better serve my neighbor without your help. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the other big hard part for Were you actively working against? Yeah, yeah, but 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 again, I can't I can't demonize you. And I do think you're right. I think there is well, of course, here's one structure that we're going to talk about in in more depth in a later episode specifically, the the question of abortion, right? Which is one that that's again, that's a big big plank that I warred over for a long time in my life mm-hmm. until I wrapped my mind around the idea that Abortion is not even really an issue for the religious right, as it were, as an organization and a a power structure. They use abortion as a button Mm -hmm. through which to fuel your demonization of anyone that disagrees with you theologically. Like that, that's, it's a means to an end. It's not the end. They don't care about the question of abortion. They don't care about the question of of pro-life, right? That's, they use that tag, but they're not pro-life or else their policies would show it. They are, mm-hmm. they are anti-abortion, and the reason they are anti-abortion is because it allows them to demonize us instead of mm-hmm. instead of viewing us as their Christian siblings and saying, mm-hmm. "Well, why? How can they sit over there and feel this way that is so different than me?" And yet, I know they're also loving Jesus and working hard to serve their fellow man. That's what that's what I sit here in war with. How do you? Because I know good people, Megan, that are on the other side of so many of these questions of me, and I and I lay it wake at night thinking. 
How do they love Jesus as much as I know they do? How do they love me as much as I know they do? And yet they are actively working against so many of our brothers and sisters, so many of our siblings uh, in this struggle of of life, you know. Life is hard, and then you die, folks. That like that is the way that this works. We think that it's all for a purpose, but we don't know. What we see in front of us is that we have to live alongside of each other. So, like, why would we not try to ease each other's road? Why would we not lift our own sails by lifting our our neighbors? Anyway, that's the question that I struggle with, and that's what we're going to try to talk about here. We're going to find, uh, we're going to talk to some seminarians. We're going to talk to some pastors and and uh, leaders in the area, but we're also going to talk to a lot of folks that are just like me and Megan that are sitting in the pews on Sunday mornings, sometimes uncomfortably so, because we know who else is sitting in the pews. Uh-huh. But we're out there anyway, and we're trying to make this thing work. Uh, we're going to try to keep these episodes to around 30 minutes or so, uh, a little under 30 minutes when possible, because we know bite size is always better. One way I'm going to do that is try to do a little more editing on this than some of, uh, of the other shows that we do uh, around here. But the other way that we're going to do that is by keeping it focused. We wanted to give you a little glimpse into who we are and where we come from uh, right now in this podcast. I hope that we've done that, Megan. Is there like one more final thought? I feel like uh, you, you've definitely got uh, uh, something else in you before we can wrap up for today. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I have any big thoughts today. We'll do my faith journey next time, yes. I suppose. <laughs> Let me tell you, what we're going to do here is we're, we're going we're gonna to make two episodes out of this, but that way we'll launch with both. And you, you can go to yeah, the next yeah, episode yeah. in the series and get Megan's uh, story from the beginning. We're going to be here. Uh, every Sunday. So if you don't have a church that you go to right now, you can come hang out with us. And, um, you know, sometimes it'll make you shout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Strug- struggle along with us. It'll be fun. All right. Um, until next time, you can follow Megan on Twitter. Where can they find you, Megan? Megan Romer, at Megan Romer, M-E-G-A-N-R-O-M-E-R. All right. And you can find me at The Rogue's Life on Twitter and uh, look in the show notes for all the links and info uh, as well. And of course, you can find the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right. Until next time, we're all just backsliding to glory. <laughs> If you know someone who would enjoy backsliding to glory, please share the show with them today and send us your comments and feedback, backslidingtoglory at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, backslide to glory. <laughs>